Well, that being said, Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning. Philippians chapter 3, continuing our series uh, entitled Deeper, uh, Deeper. And uh, this morning we're going to talk about what it looks like to know God, uh, to know God. Uh, we're going to talk about what it looks like to know him. Uh, there was a game that um, used to play with uh, my, my little sisters and my cousin, right? Uh, you know, this was, uh, I, I credit it to, uh, you know, innovation on our end, right? This is uh, pre-millennium days. Uh, you know, my youngest sister wasn't born yet, but uh, pre-millennium days, you know, onward to the early 2000s, right? A game that we played uh, that we called balloon hit, um, you know, some of you guys probably called it different when you played it, but the object of the game was there, if there was a balloon that was uh, there in the house, the goal was to keep that balloon up as long as you could. It could not hit the ground, couldn't hit any furniture, couldn't do any of that. And so, you know, to pass time, because we were bored, we would play this game where we'd hit it up and try and keep it up as long as we could. And sometimes, I mean, we'd time ourselves 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, right? Uh, and we did the best we could. Uh, and we play that game until, you know, we uh, got bored, right? And for a while, you know, kind of the thought was, man, we, the only way to keep balloons up, right, was to simply, you know, keep, you know, the only way to keep them up in the air was to simply hit them, right, because we played that game so much. But we know the reality of things, right? We know that uh, you can keep a balloon up, right, that, uh, you know, is decreasing in air either by keeping it up by hitting it or by putting helium in it. Right. That's the best way to keep the uh, balloon to doing what it's supposed to do. And I say all that to, to say this. A lot of us, right, whenever it comes to our Christian life, right, uh, we see it as more of a game of balloon hit, if you will. Brother Tom. So, for instance, man, you know, there's no way I'm able to walk this Christian life on my own. There's no way I'm able to spend time with God. So let me let me come and get my hit by coming to church every now and again. Man, that, that's the only way I'm gonna keep myself up. Get that hit. Oh, there, there's no way, you know, that, that I'm gonna be able to, to grow in my faith. So man, let, let you know, let me let me come and get my hit of, of an event or you know, my hit of some kind of revival service. When in reality what, what it takes is, man, us getting filled up. The helium of the world that we can go, you know, we can go and get helium. A balloon, man. We, we can go and actually spend time with God and grow in that way. I'll, I'll put it to you another way. Some of us, right, we, we see our Christian life, we see the Christian life as, uh, you know, likened to Moses whenever he went to get the Ten Commandments right from the mountain. You know, Moses climbed up, he got those Ten Commandments and came down, right, and had a word for the people. And that's essentially what you think that is. You, you think, okay, yeah, the only way I can hear from God or spend time with him is Pastor Irv or whoever's preaching goes up to the mountain. One of my favorite preachers or podcasters, they, they go up to the mountain, they hear from God, and then they come back down and they share that with me. That, that's how I get my feel. There's no way I can do it. But, but in reality, what my job is, is I'm trying to encourage us together. Hey, go, go yourself. Go with your family. You guys go up to the mountain, hear from the Lord. Spend time with him, because you can personally do that. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. Those of us in here, right, who know Jesus, man, we can truly walk in him. We can spend time with him. This relationship, this Christian life is 
a real and lively relationship with the God of the universe. And here it is. And nothing compares to the greatness of knowing Him and spending time with Him. Nothing compares to that. Nothing. And we see Paul talk about that in Philippians chapter 3. So if, so if you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there this morning. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. If you don't have a Bible, the verses will be on the screen there. But Simply entitled the sermon, Nothing Compares. Nothing Compares. Hey, in order for us to, to grow deeper right in our faith, we've got to understand that we personally can know God and walk with Him and spend time with Him. We can personally do that. So Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, Paul, he, he wrote this letter, right? Uh, and what he's doing is he is uh, a couple of different things. He is uh, um, uh, stepping in and speaking to, right, some issues that are going on in the life of the churches there in Philippi. Some false teachers have gotten in and are preaching a false truth. We'll see that here in a second. Right, but also we, we're going to see here that he gives testimony uh, of his life, right, in this route that there's nothing that compares to knowing the Lord. And so, verse 1, here's what it says. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Verse 2, look out for the dogs, look out for the evil Doers, right? The dogs, whenever you see that there, we're not talking about some, you know, cute, fluffy animal here. Dogs in first century Jerusalem were, were ravenous, right? They were looked down upon. To call somebody a dog, man, was, was I mean, one of the worst, uh, you know, things you could say to an individual, uh, right? And so Paul is addressing these false teachers by calling them dogs, man, because that's what they were. They were coming in and messing things up. These teachers known as uh, the Judaizers. They came preaching this false doctrine, which we'll talk about more in a second. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evil doers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. They were preaching this truth that, hey, you know, the folks that came to Jesus that weren't Jews, hey, listen, yeah, that's great and good, but you also got to follow all these Jewish customs now. Such as, you know, be circumcised. Such as follow, you know, all these other laws. Man, you got to follow all those things. And then you're really a Christian. And, and a lot of new believers there in Philippi, man, they were confused. They were like, wait, what, what's going on? And so Paul calls them out and he gets real with them there. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God. We are the true believers, right? Circumcision or any, uh, you know, uh, any following of the law, right, in and of itself doesn't save you. What Paul is saying is this, we're, we're the ones, man, because our heart has been changed, right? We're the ones that can brag and boast about, man, worshiping the Lord and knowing him. We are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of uh, Benjamin, man, that's, hey, that's something to really boast about, man. Tribe Benjamin, that's where the first king came. First king of Israel, Saul, is from there. Benjamin was one of Jacob's favorite sons. Remember Jacob had, you know, 12 sons? Benjamin was one of his favorite sons. Paul came from that, that tribe, man. He had a lot to boast about in Jewish life. Man, I was a, he, a Hebrew of Hebrews. 
as to the law, man, a Pharisee, as to zeal, man, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, man, blameless. Blameless. I followed the law to a T, man. I knew all the right things to say. I knew all the right songs. I could do it. I had it all. But verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I might may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, right? Not to not finding myself right or developing a sense of being in right standing with God by by all the stuff that I do or following all these different rules or picking and choosing what I could follow and being good at that. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Listen, friends, there is nothing that compares, man, to the greatness of truly knowing Jesus, knowing him. I'm not saying just about knowing church, right, and getting a sprinkle of Jesus here and there. I'm talking about, man, truly knowing him, spending time walking in this loving relationship with him. There's nothing that compares to it. And Paul talks about that here. Nothing compares. Nothing compares. Why don't we pray together? Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, uh, Lord, for the gift that we have in knowing you. God, I think it's so easy for us to take that for granted at times, Lord. Many of us in here have been in church for a little while, or been familiar with the Christian faith for a while, Lord. But I, I pray that you would, God, encourage us with what Paul says here, Lord, that nothing, no worldly pursuit, no lifetime achievement, no religion, Nothing compares to the greatness of, of truly knowing you and walking with you. Teach us that. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. Amen. Amen. We see a few uh, key truths, right, uh, pertaining to this reality that nothing compares to the greatness of knowing Jesus. Right? That I want for us to highlight here in Philippians 3. We see three truths that man, we could take to the bank pertaining to knowing Jesus, man, and knowing that nothing compares to knowing Him. The first truth that we see here that Paul talks about is this, man. Salvation, right, is something that's not of ourselves. Salvation is something that's not of ourselves. Paul talks about that here, right, whenever he addresses these false teachers. He says, hey, listen, you know, the Church of Philippi, this is the Irvin Wassel translation here. Hey, listen, hey, don't pay attention to them dogs, man. Don't pay attention to those folks, man, that are, that are preaching this 
truth, man, that, that uh, this uh, you being able to attain righteousness or you being able to be saved is uh, of your own accord. Don't listen to them. Right? These Judaizers were those people that preached, okay, hey, yeah, believe in Jesus. Right? But also, man, you got to do all these different things, man. Look, look as Jewish as you can in order to truly be a part of God's children. What happened was, actually, Brother Cliff, is that they were scared of the persecution that was coming from the Jews. And so they ended up retreating, you know, back to following that and essentially preaching that to the Gentiles, the folks that weren't Jews in that community. And so what Paul said, hey, listen, don't listen to those guys. If you know Jesus, man, you're a part of the true circumcision. Man, you're, you're a part of the real family because your heart's been changed. Here's what he said. Listen, it's not about what you do with your hands. Not about how much you know in your head. It's about what has taken place in your heart. In your heart. And listen, in order to know, know the Lord, man, it starts with understanding, man, that salvation is, is not something that you can be a part of on your own. And Paul talks about that here, man. He first says, man, he talks about how salvation is, it, it can't be found in what we've done. All the things that we've done. He, he talks about that. He, he highlights his life and, and walks through all the specifics of the things that he's done. He was a dude that followed the law to a T. He knew all the rules. He knew all the songs to sing. He knew all the things to do. But he realized, man, it, it's, it's not in what you do. Hey, friend, in the same way, what we do is not enough in order to be saved. Say, Pastor Irv, what do you mean by that? Listen, simply coming to church, man, that's great and good. Glad that you're here. Glad we're able to worship together. But man, just simply coming to church, man, doesn't get you to know the Lord, right, as Savior and Lord. Hey, simply singing songs, man, as great as that is, man, that, that doesn't get you right with God. Hey, being a good parent, that's awesome. We need more good parents in this world. But, but that alone, man, doesn't get you right with God. Salvation isn't something that, that we, uh, is not found in what we have done or what we do. And Paul highlights that and talks about that here. Man, if anybody could boast, it was him. And he understood, no, it's not found in that. Not found in what we've done. And also, it's not found in who we are. It's not found in who we are. Paul highlights that as well. He says, man, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin. Man, hey, he was about as Jewish as Jewish could be. About as Jewish as Jewish could be. Part of the tribe of Benjamin, man. Right, his heritage. If anybody could boast, man, and if anybody was close to God based on heritage, it would be him. But he said, hey, that's not enough. Hey, friend, you may have a grandparent, or, you know, your, your grandpa might have been a preacher. Might have been a deacon. Hey, your, your grandma, you know, Grandma Sue might have been the one that whipped up the casseroles for Sunday afternoon lunch. I remember them, man. I remember in college, man, they hooked us up with plenty of casseroles, man. I ate plenty of casseroles in college. Go to the little Baptist church where I was from. You might have grown up, right, with the heritage of folks that were Christians, but, but here's the thing. Hey, listen, salvation doesn't just transfer through the bloodline. Salvation's found in, man, choosing to believe in the one that shed his blood on the cross. That's where salvation is found. And Paul highlights that here. And so here's the question today. Have you been saved? Have you been saved? That knowing God starts there. Starts there. 
with you choosing, man, to repent and trust in Christ. It chooses, it, it, that's where it starts. That's, that's where we've got to understand that. It's not in doing more things for Him. It's not in found in your heritage, man. It's, it starts with you choosing to understand what Jesus did. Man came, lived the perfect life we couldn't live. Died on the cross. Didn't stay dead. Rose on the third day. And whoever, man, chooses to believe in Him. I say, and can walk in this loving relationship with God. Have you met Him? Met Jesus? Met Him? I remember in high school one time, Lindsay, I remember in high school one time, uh, uh, my senior year, there was a uh, student started coming to the school named Bucky Sanders. And uh, you'd say, Pastor, why would you mention that name? Well, Bucky Sanders was the son of the great Deion Sanders. Those of you who know football, right? Uh, Deion Sanders, Hall of Fame, cornerback, one of the best to ever do it. Everybody wanted to be Deion. Neon Deion, man, flashy, but also, man, had a great game. And uh, and I remember thinking, man, that's awesome because he played for the Cowboys. And like I've said before, I'm a huge sports nerd, so I knew all the stuff about him. I remember one day I had to get checked out of school because I was sick, Brother Jim. I had to end up leaving school early. And, you know, I'm walking to the office getting ready to leave. And legit four feet away from me, I look over to my right just for a second. And it's Bucky Sanders and Deion Sanders right there. And, man, I look over and it was one of those moments. Brother Cliff, man, do I go over and say hi? Man, what if I spread what I have to him? Then that might end up becoming a story because he's kind of famous, man. You know, random kid ends up giving the flu to Deion Sanders. And so I just let it be, let it be. And I remember later telling all my friends, oh, man, oh, dude, man, I, hey, I saw Deion Sanders, man, I saw him. And he said, hey, you get a chance to meet him? I said, well, you know, I saw him there. I was, you know, I was kind of around him, but, you know, I was a little sick, didn't get a chance to meet him. But it's all good, man, I know that he... Man played for the Cowboys for four or five years, man, and was a Hall of Fame cornerback. Man, I knew all this stuff about him. Man, I know how he walks. I know that he's, you know, six foot, 200 pounds, stud. But I didn't actually get a chance to meet him. I was around him, but didn't get a chance to meet him. Perhaps you've been here and, man, you've been all around people that know Jesus. Been all around Jesus. But, hey, knowing God starts with you choosing to meet him first. Have you met him? Have you met him? And Paul talks about that here. We see the first truth, man. Salvation is not of our own accord. It's not. Right? Knowing God first starts with meeting him. Are you saved today? Do you know him? Good news is, if you're not, man, you can. You can come to know him as Savior and Lord today. Second truth that we see here in the text, it's, it's just right here, pertaining to, man, nothing comparing to knowing him. Man, second truth we see is this. Man, and knowing Jesus looks like us choosing to suffer a loss. Knowing Jesus looks like us choosing to suffer a loss. Paul gives his autobiography of his life, talks through all these things, all this stuff he had. And he said that, man, he count, counted all of that as loss compared to knowing Jesus. Those of you who don't know much about first century Jerusalem, what Paul talks about here, man, 
Dude, Paul was one of the most famous dudes in all of Jerusalem. He had fame. He had notoriety. Because he was a Pharisee and because of the tribe he was from, he was rich. He had plenty of money. Plenty of clout. He probably would have been verified if they had social media back in the day. Jewish world. Right? He had it all. And he says, man, none of that compares to the greatness of knowing Jesus. What Paul did, right, whenever he came to Christ, Acts chapter 9 talks about that. Whenever he came to Christ, what happened was, man, he suffered a loss. He suffered a loss. And he said, you know what, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because none of that stuff I had before mattered compared to knowing Jesus. He boldly was able to say, man, even though I, I, I lost clout, relationships, my identity, my life was wrapped around all this stuff, even though I lost all of that. Man, it's all good. It's all good because I know Jesus. Man, suffering a loss. That's what the Christian life is about. Suffering a loss. About suffering a loss. What did that look like in his life? And what does that look like for us? Just bring it to practical measures. What does that look like for us? Man, suffering a loss looks like us choosing to let go of what does not matter. It's us choosing to be folks that let go of what does not matter. Man, he, he looked at his life. It's almost like he had two columns there. Looked at his life. Man, all this stuff that he had before. Man, he moved it over to this column. The, the, on the left side. What he gained in Jesus, man, he moved it over to the right side. And he said, you know what? Listen, I count all that as loss compared to knowing him. I'm going to let go of that stuff in my life, man. Because knowing Jesus is more valuable. And so for us, we've got to choose to be folks, man, that, that suffer a loss by letting go of stuff that doesn't matter. You say, man, Pastor Herb, what does that look like in my life? What does that look like in my life? Are you saying, man, i got to let go of, you know, stuff like my family? You know, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. What I am saying is this, choosing to let go of your family being your sole identity. Choosing to let go of family being the idol that you choose to worship. Man, and choose to be all in for Jesus. Hey, choosing to let go of ambition as something that you choose to worship and follow in your life. And choose a man to pursue Jesus with your whole heart. Hey, choosing to let go of, uh, you know, the wants and, and the needs that you have that, that may come in, it might get in the way of, of pursuing Jesus with your whole heart. Let go, at the end of the day, of, of that stuff that doesn't matter. And choose to take a loss. Choose to take a loss. Let's just be real this morning. No, no one in here likes to lose. If you like to lose, I'll pray for you. Hey, okay? No one likes to lose. I, I, I hate to lose. I, you know, you know, talk with a couple of, you know, folks here over time. I hate to lose. You know, sports was a big part of my life, all that stuff. And, uh, that, that hate for losing came in full effect yesterday. This, this past weekend was our Disciple Now weekend. We had 20 students here from Tylertown take part in that. It's a, you know, a county-wide um, event, uh, youth event, and so those students will be here at 11 o'clock, but um, there was a break between lunchtime and, uh, you know, what the next activity was, and so some junior high kids from our Sango campus were going to play football at Austin P. and they asked if I could come, and so of course I couldn't turn that down, couldn't turn that down, so I ended up going out there, you know, and, and warming the old arm up, you know, got a stretch and stuff now, man, I, you know, what I look like tearing a muscle, you know, 
and walking in here, you know, today, and folks, hey, Pastor, what happened? Yeah, I was playing ball with some junior high kids, and uh, <laughs> end up tearing tearing my quad. I couldn't have that happen, so I had to stretch. And uh, man, we're out there playing, and you know, I'm out there thinking I'm, you know, the next big time, you know, quarterback, throwing to these kids that are 12 years old, you know, and if they miss a pass, you know, I'm screaming, man, hey, you sh- man, you should have, you should have hooked that over there. You should have. And by the end of the day, I remember thinking, man. That was a 12-year-old kid I just yelled at. Man, that's a little kid that just hit puberty that I just yelled at. Man, he doesn't know, you know, he never played football before. You know, and because and, we ended up losing, you know. And so, man, and, and Brother Cliff, it was burning in my soul for the next couple hours. You know, what I should have done is just get along with God, get, you know, you know, get, get right with him, man. I, it, I just, I hate to lose. We all hate to lose. All hate to lose. But he, here's the reality today. For the believer in here, man, choosing to lose is the greatest thing that you can do. Because it's when you choose to lose that you truly gain. I believe I'll say that one more time. Hey, it's whenever you choose to lose your life. It's whenever you choose to take an L. Man, let, hey, letting go of the stuff that, don't, that doesn't matter. Man, it's when you truly choose to gain. And that's what Paul talks about. Here, I love what Mark 8, 36 says. Man, Jesus, man, whenever he's talking in the gospel here, during his time on earth, look, look what he said. Says this, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his soul? What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his soul? Man, what it looks like to suffer a loss is letting go of what does not matter. What stuff in your life, man? Is getting in the way of knowing Jesus more and more, man. What's what's that stuff in your life? And choose to let it go, because at the end of the day, nothing compares to knowing Him. It doesn't. Suffering a loss doesn't just look like letting go of what doesn't matter, right? Suffering a loss looks like also us leaning on what's been gained in Christ, man. I'm so glad, right? That Paul he continues on and talks about what what he's gained, man. And that and what he gained was Christ. He said, man, I consider all this stuff. Lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That word in the original language, you know, it's scrupulous. Poop is another way to say it. I consider it all as, as poop in order that my, I might gain Christ. Listen, whenever we choose to lose our life, right, we gain Jesus. We gain him. And we gain all that comes with knowing Jesus. I believe I'm going to walk through what that looks like right now. Man, what we gain in knowing Jesus, man, is, is we gain His presence. Man, that's what we possess in Him. We possess, we possess His presence. He is always with us. He's always with us. And through His Holy Spirit living in us. Hey, man, what we gain in knowing Jesus is we gain His peace. Jesus says, man, peace I give you. Man, we gain His peace. Listen, hey, what we gain in, in knowing Jesus is we gain his encouragement. Encouragement. Hey, when life seems to be beating you up, when other people seem to be beating you up, when it seems like you ain't got no refuge, hey, hey, there's one that's looking to give you some encouragement. You gain his encouragement in knowing Jesus. Man, hey, what we gain in knowing Jesus, we gain his power. His power to be able to walk this Christian life out. This His power to be able to stand for him. And his power. Hey, listen, 
we gain His grace. Aren't you glad for His grace today? Man, a thousand times we fall. Man, still His love and mercy remains. Man, His grace is ever-present. Ever-present. Man, what we gain in knowing Him is we also gain His love. His love. For us, that never ends. And lastly, man, and probably, you know, I mean, all these are great, but probably my favorite one is, listen, what we gain in knowing Jesus, man, is we gain his joy. His joy. Joy isn't just simply being happy. Right. Joy is being able to say it is well with my soul, even when we're not happy. Joy is being able to choose to worship, even when it, you know, doesn't look like we're able to worship. We possess that in him. When life seems to be falling apart, man, hey, we can. Still worshiping. See, man, because we've got his joy, man. We possess his joy. Whenever we know him. And so, man, we've got to lean on what has been gained in Christ. Man, we've gained a lot in him. Man, Paul said, man, his status, his name, man, his, his so-called self-righteousness, his elit- elitism, man, his identity, man, he counted all that as loss. Man, compared to knowing Jesus, man, he let go and leaned in on what he had in him and for some of us right for all of us in here man the call for us is to do the same man suffer a loss take an L take an L and choose to be all in for Jesus man truth number one right we understand that salvation right is not of ourselves that's what Paul talks about truth number two and what it looks like to know God is choosing to suffer a loss. And then thirdly and lastly, the third truth that we see here is. And what it looks like to know God is seeking to grow in him. Seeking to grow in him. And that's what Paul talks about here in verse 9. It says, man, I consider all things as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Right? The call for for us, man, is to be folks that seek to grow in Him. Paul continues to talk about that, verses 12 through 14, right? What it looks like to, uh, you know, press on. Uh, and move forward. But he also talks about that in the section here, verses 9 through 11. Right? The, the call to know God is a call to grow deeper in Him. Not just being content with, man, coming to church. But man, continue to grow in Him. And what that looks like, it looks like two different things. Number one, it looks like us choosing intimacy, right? To be close to Him. That word know in the original language isn't just having some mental assent, right? Gnosko is the name. It's not just having some mental assent of God or knowing things about him, facts or things. It it's, speaks of a deep, loving relationship with him. Communing with him. Those of you here who are married or have significant others, we understand what that looks like. Hey, in, in order to cultivate and grow, right, your relationship together, what it looks like is spending time together. Being with one another. And, and that's the language here. Right, it speaks to us. Man, walking in intimacy with the God of the universe. And what that looks like is spending time with him. We talk about that often here, right? But it can't be stated enough. The core of our Christian life, man, is our relationship with God and us walking with him, spending time with him. 
And the way that we do that, right, is number one, through prayer, right, spending time in prayer, you know, talking to God, but also being still and listening to him. That's the part of prayer that we forget a lot of times is, you know, being still and listening. Come to God with our laundry list of stuff, which is great and good, but, but a lot of times we ask why God didn't, didn't speak to us. Well, he is. We just, we're just talking too loud. You need to quiet down a minute. Let him speak. It looks like us spending time with God in prayer, but also, man, us spending time with God in his word. Spending, spending time reading his word, studying his word. Devouring his word, man, man, soaking on the truths that come from his word. And knowing it's when we do that and we walk closely with him, man, that, that's that's how we're going to grow. Man, Paul says, man, that I may know him man, continue to grow in him. Paul, hey, Paul was a dude. He wrote two thirds of the whole New Testament. He was a dude prior to coming to Christ, man. Hey, he, he knew the the law, the Torah, the first five books. He knew those by heart. But he said, man, I, man, I need to know Jesus. I need to spend time with him. Lean in close to him. And walk with him. Here it is. I'll go ahead and throw this in free charge. It's kind of in my notes, but it, it, you know, it's kind of not as well. God just brought this to my mic. Be careful, friend. To not fall into the trap of simply academizing your faith. Or simply making your faith about following a whole bunch of rules. Or, or hey, or simply, you know, uh, making your faith one that is sterile. About a list of stuff that you do in, in, instead of, man, a real loving, intimate relationship with God. Paul gives the differences here. Man, he knew all the religious stuff. He did all the religious stuff. But, man, he said, I wanted to know God more. And that speaks to walking in intimacy with him. What does that look like in your life? Are you truly spending time with God? This, hey, this is, a, this is a challenge for me. This is what I do for a living, man. I'm in, I'm in the Bible, Brother Dwayne, for a living. I can simply say, okay, hey, my, my study time walking through the sermon, I'm, man, that's my time with God. I can simply use the whole, you know, the, the pastoral title and say, hey, I, hey, I'm a pastor, man, so you know I'm good with God. I'm better than some of these heathens that, you know, I don't think y'all are heathens, but you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I'm better than these, you know, better than. But no, 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 no. Challenge is for all of us, man, to draw close to him. James 4 tells us, man, when we draw near to God, man, he'll draw near to us. And so let's be folks that walk in this. Intimate relationship with him. James 4, verse 7 and 8. It's on the screen. Hey, it says this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Hey, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's what intimacy looks like. It looks like, hey, daily submission to God. Choosing to flee from, you know, our youthful lust, right, from temptation. It looks like us drawing close right in this intimate relationship with God. Man, and choosing to confess sin. Right, so we can hear from him and our fellowship with him can be restored, man. We got to be folks that look to draw close to the Lord, man. Let's draw close to him, converse with him.
and walk in this intimate relationship with him. Man, it looks like intimacy, right? Seeing closer, God looks like intimacy, but secondly and lastly too, it also looks like this, man, us choosing to be folks that are on mission for him. He says, man, I, I desire that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his Death. Paul isn't saying that, oh, you know, he, he wants to, you know, experience uh, the physical sufferings, if you will, you know, I, you know, hanging on a cross, right? No, 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 no. W- what he means is sharing in, in his sufferings, right? Jesus suffered and died on the cross, right? So just as Jesus died, right? Whenever we chose repent and trust in Jesus, we died as well. Romans 6 talks about that. Now we have a relationship with God. But now the call for us as Christians, since we've got this old flesh, is to choose to continue to die daily. Here it is. Just as Jesus Christ died to make a way for others to live, hey, the call for us too as Christians is to die so that others can live. And by saying, you know, us choosing to die to ourselves makes folks right with God on their own. No, no, no. But whenever we choose to die... All of a sudden, we stop living life for ourselves. We start living life for others, lives for others. And we start considering, right, that there are people that are around us that need Jesus. And we move to live on mission for Him. In order to live on mission for Him, it, it starts with choosing to die. We've got to be folks that die. That's what the Christian life is about. Dying to self enables us to walk in His power, in God's power that comes from Him. And to live for Him and to share His Word. We must choose to die to self so that others can see Christ in us and come to know Him. That's the mission. It's the mission. A lot of us in here, you know, we want to be missional, right? We want to be on mission. We want to share Christ. Right, but we ain't willing to die. Listen, us in our own flesh, man, we're on our own. We're not going to be folks that are jihad about stepping out and sharing our faith with people. Especially folks that we don't necessarily care for. Look like. So that's why we've got to choose to die to ourselves. got to choose to die to ourselves. And, and that's what Paul is talking about here, man. He wants to share sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When that, that happened, that salvation, hey, whenever we repented and trusted in Christ, man, we were crucified with him. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. All right, that is the daily choosing to die to self. Live, live it in faith, man, dying to self. And so the question is, man, who in our life needs to hear the gospel? Second question, what needs to die in our life so that person can hear the gospel? What do we need to die to? What part of our selfishness do we need to die to, man, so that man, Christ can be displayed in our life? We can be moved to share the gospel. What needs to Die. I'll uh, end with this. I uh, 
Yeah, I was in church for a few years prior to coming to faith, started going to church early teenage years and then got saved 16, 17 years old. And I remember at the time the church that I was going to was a pretty traditional uh, church. And so, you know, sang a lot of hymns, you know, traditional Southern Baptist church. And so at, at, during that time, I didn't want anything to do with that, singing any of those hymns. Whenever I came to faith, write all those hymns, you know, God brought to heart. And so I love some of those older songs. And, and there was a band that um, didn't necessarily sing those songs. but There's a band that we played some of their songs in youth that uh, uh, that I love, um, a band called Third Day. Those of you who've been around for a little while, um, you know, they, they sang a song called Nothing Compares. Um, and it talks about, you know, um, this reality of knowing Jesus. And it comes from Philippians chapter three. And some of the lyrics to the song I, I, uh, I want to read here as we as we wrap up today. One of my favorite songs. <clears throat> it says this. I, I've heard all the stories. I've seen all the signs. I've witnessed all the glory. And have tasted all that's fine. But have come to understand that there's nothing that compares to the greatness of knowing you, Lord. Nothing compares to the greatness of knowing you. Seen all the people. Man, I've seen them all wasting their time. Choosing to build up their riches. Man, for a life that's fine. But at the end of the day, nothing compares to the greatness of knowing the Lord. Some of you, I mean, know have lived, you know, longer than I have, right? Uh, And so you understand this even more so, but I I speak of this personally. I've I've seen that and tasted all the stuff under the sun. I've seen folks that have had all the riches. I've seen folks that... Stud athletes go and play, you know, professionally and do all this stuff. I've come to understand, man, that nothing compares to the greatness of truly knowing the Lord. And that was Paul's testimony here. And may that be our testimony as well. If we want to grow deeper and go deeper. What that looks like is us choosing to be folks that commit, man, to knowing the Lord, truly knowing Him. And choosing to suffer losses, man, letting go of stuff that doesn't matter for the sake of knowing Jesus. Choosing to be folks that look to grow deeper in Him, not not just content with a church experience every now and again. Choosing to be folks that are all in for Him. Nothing compares. Nothing compares. I'm going to ask for the band to go ahead and come up with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Um, we wrap up today. Listen, church, my, my hope and prayer is that, man, uh, Paul's testimony and his statements, you know, we can choose to be folks that truly Believe that. Folks that say that truly nothing does compare to knowing Jesus. It's the greatest treasure that I have is a relationship with Jesus. But maybe you're in here and you can't. 
Maybe you'd be honest and you'd say, Pastor Irv, uh, you know, I know Jesus, but I've got other treasures in my life that are greater than that. Greater than knowing Him, whether it be my possessions, my family, my, my comfort. Those things I've got more of my identity in, and Jesus is, you know, just kind of a side piece to somebody I associate with. That's you, you know, the good news is that that doesn't have to stay the case. Like Paul said, what that looks like is you choosing to suffer a loss and say, Jesus, man, I... I thank you for what you've given me. And I give it to you. Possessions aren't a bad thing. Family's not a bad thing. It becomes an issue whenever those things become your treasure over knowing Jesus. And so maybe this morning it's you just saying, Lord, I... I, I want to be like Paul and say that, man, nothing compares to knowing you. Maybe you're in here and and, and you want to grow in your walk with the Lord and and you just don't know what that looks like. Uh, Maybe your prayer is to go to the Lord and ask for Him to stir your affections for Him more deeply and to move you, to motivate you, to long to spend time with Him. As the psalmist says in Psalm 42, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Asking God to give you a longing to just want to be with Him. In prayer and in His Word. Maybe you're in here and... Truth is... Kind of like Paul before coming to know Christ. You know, life's good... um, You've kind of uh, established your own righteousness, if you will. Okay, I'm going to follow these rules. Be a good parent. Be, uh, you know, a tribute to society. Uh, which are all great things. The reality is you're not saved. You don't have a relationship with God. good news is today can be the day of salvation. You can choose, right, to turn from your sins and trust in Christ. Maybe that's your response to Maybe you're in here and God's pushing you to choose to daily die so that person at work has an opportunity to to find life in him. person at the coffee shop. Call for you to die so that you can live on mission for him. I I don't know where you are today, but here in a moment I'm going to pray for us. And listen, as I pray, you do business with God. He's speaking to you. You do business with him. Whenever I say amen, we're going to stand and sing. And you continue to respond. Maybe you need some prayer about stuff's going on in your life. I'll be down front. I'd love to pray with you. Miss Megan, the children's ministers in the back. Brother Cliff, one of our deacons, put questions in the back. He'd love to pray with you. The altar's open. Maybe you need to lay some stuff down at the altar. you continue to respond as the Lord leads. Nothing compares to the greatness of knowing the Lord.
be able to spend forever worshiping and praising Him in glory one day. But listen, we can walk in this intimate relationship with Him now. Experience His goodness now. Nothing compares to that. Why don't we pray together? Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to know you. It's Lord and Savior. Lord, we th- I thank you that knowing you is, is not like uh, some of other faith movements over time that uh, say that knowing you consists of knowing facts about you or statistics about you. You know, Knowing you is, is about an intimate relationship with you. And we thank you that we have that in Christ. Got to pray for those in here who aren't saved, that don't know you. Trying to build, right, to some kind of faith on their own righteousness, Lord. I pray that you would draw them to yourself, that they would choose to respond and trust you. Got to pray for, for us in here, Lord, that uh, men struggle with taking ills, struggle with taking losses, Lord. I pray that we'd understand, Lord, it's when we choose to lose that we truly gain. God, let us know of the stuff in our life, Lord, that God, we need to let go of so that, man, we can be all in for you. I pray for the altars that we build around some of the good stuff in our life. I pray that, God, we break those altars down. God, and that you would be the center, God, of our life, of our family, out of our work. Worship you. God, I pray that you would encourage us to be like Paul, sharing your sufferings by choosing to die so that others around us have an opportunity to live. God, help us to die to ourselves every single day. That's, and empower us to be folks that live on mission. Nothing compares, Lord. No. I pray that we understand that and walk in that every Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. Amen.